If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Well, everyone, you're in for a treat tonight. We've, uh, we've been on a wild ride. If, uh, if this was Disney World, it would cost you an e-ticket for this. If anybody remembers when it used to be tickets. This is an e-ticket ride tonight, and I'd like to uh, introduce the guy who's gonna give you the ride, and that's Russell. Come on up, Russell. Not for sissies, I'll tell you what. Right. Okay. So, my name's Russell Spatz. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Russell. Hey, guys. How you doing? Is everything wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> oh well. So I, uh, I haven't found a necessary to have a drink since January 25th, 1981. So I just, I just celebrated my 39th. I made it 39 years. Made it. You don't have to know. Yeah. Now, the truth is, I've been telling people I have 39 years since June. I mean, I, I'm going to tell them I, I have. I, I think after a certain number of years, you're you're allowed to round up. <laughs> round up. You know, I mean, what what's the point? I mean, yeah, who's going to, you know, and and uh, so. I'm not actually telling people I have 39 years because, because I, I've got, because I really do, I have that, that's like in the bag. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to take that away from me, you know? So what I, I think what I'm going to do is from now on introduce myself, and I checked out this out in my group, because I want to be honest, I'm going to say, I'm working on 40. <laughs> I'm working on it's the truth, isn't it, Paul? I'm working on, I'm working on, I'm not got 39. I'm working on my 40th year. Okay. I am into my 40th year. I like your thinking. I like your thinking, you know. Don't you think that sounds better? Okay. Maybe a little more respect. I don't know, you know. So I'm going to read a couple things and do a couple things. This is uh, the third time I'm here. Most people think it, I'm going to be on third step. I'm going to sort of do, third, you know, one of the things that happen is, you know, after you've been doing this for a lot of years, at least after I've been doing this for a lot of years, what I found is uh, 
you know, when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, um, it's really mysterious. You know, the first few meetings, you don't even know what they're talking about, and they have their own lingo, like turning it over, and four-step fist, so you don't even know what you're talking about. And then when you finally start learning what you're talking about, it's, the whole step thing is mysterious, and how do you do it? I spent a month. I, 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 I stalled on the fourth step, and whether this is true or not, I told myself the re- reason I didn't do it is because I didn't understand how you could, I didn't, I didn't know, I mean, how do you do it? I mean, you know, after I got desperate enough, I opened up the book, I noticed there was a chart, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I majored, I, I was going for my PhD in algebraic topology, you know, and I'm, and I'm a lawyer, you know, and I'm not stupid, and I'm sitting there for months, I said, how do you do this? How do you do this thing, you know, and chart, you know. You know, just follow, paint by numbers, you know, and and uh, so it's all mysterious. But you know, after you do it once and then twice and six times, ten thousand times, eighty thousand times, you twenty. You know, what happens is you stop with the oh, I think I just did a third step. Oh, I did a fourth. Oh, I'm doing another tenth step. You stop with that, and it becomes sort of like it's like um, what is it? Wax on, wax off, sort of thing. You know, it becomes so natural that you just you're living the steps. You're not even doing the steps. You're like living them. You're living the steps. You know, you screw up. With, you, you screw up and do something stupid. Say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You don't think. You don't even think. Oh, I just did a tenth step. You know, you don't think. You just say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, I mean, you do. I mean, you just live the steps, which is a lot easier because then you don't have to like force yourself to do it because they've brainwashed you enough. That's why I told my sponsor. I said, oh, you're doing your, you're brainwashing me. He says. Well, maybe your brain needs washing, you know, and and so you just start doing the steps sort of automatically. But then it reaches a point in time where, where uh, you don't even think of your life or what's going on in terms of the steps because you start seeing how step three is connected with step four and how each step, you know, propels you to the next step. And the only thing that holds you back is your alcoholism, and you start really getting a real good picture of what alcoholism really looks like. At least what I, the picture I have right now. I mean. If I'm able to leave 10 years from now, I mean, I'll probably have a different picture, but you start you start getting a better, bet where you used to think alcoholism had to do with drinking, and then you realize alcoholism has to do with just the way you look at people and the way you perceive. I mean, you just, it, and you get to a certain point, you know, at 10 years, you pretty much think you know what alcoholism is all about, what it looks like, and what it feels like, and how to get rid of it, and blah, 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 and then by the time you have 20 years, you look like, I don't know shit at 10 years, you know what I mean? And you just, because you, you just learn more and more, and you put pieces together, and and you have these epiphanies and things happen, and then somewhere, and, and it actually gets simpler and simpler and simpler, not more complicated. It's sort of like, you know, at least for me, it gets simpler. And, and so what happens is you, uh, at least I, I keep on saying you, I say, I should mean me, you know, I mean, don't get offense, just don't take offense if you think I'm trying to put words in your mouth or anything, but I mean, you know, you get to the point where when you look at this program and you look at the steps and you look at everything, you just see all these connections between the third and the sixth and the seventh and and, and so when you start when you go to when you go to a meeting and you have to talk about this stuff, what I found is that about, you know, five or six or seven years ago, around that time, when I would go and I and I used to number them, I said I'm doing step three and step four, that when I'd start talking about step three I would somehow uh, start uh, going into something about step seven and step and step six, and then somehow I'd wind up on step 11, and then I would wind up on step four, and I was going all over the place, and it, it wasn't that, it was, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't talking about step three. Step three was all through there. As a matter of fact, step three is, in every step I do, you'll see God in there, because God is throughout this book, no matter what step you're talking about, 
which has to do with step three, you know, and uh, that God exists and God is. God either is, that's what, in chapter agnostics, before they can get into this stuff, it says God either is or he isn't. What's your decision going to be? Miracle of morals, better philosophy of life, you know, God, this is, these, A takes a stand as far as atheism. Do you let atheists in AA? Sure. Do they let agnostics in AA? Sure. Is, is AA, is, is alcohol synonymous to promoting or, uh, uh, or, or agrees with atheism? The answer is no. I'm sorry. The answer is no. They wrote a chapter of the book on it. It's called uh, chapter. They wrote a chapter. The chapter is a chapter two, the agnostics. They say this sort of thinking has to be abandoned, which I I don't think is like we like this. You know what I mean? It's uh, you know, you go through the whole thing. You can be dishonest about it. You know you can you know you can dishonestly sort of slant it any way you want. Nobody's going to kick you out of a closed meeting. You know, but the bottom line is that's I, I go along with what the book says. What the book says the deal is so what happens is you start seeing all these connections so somewhere along the line I stop worrying about am I doing step three am I doing step six am I doing step ten I just you know whatever the Lord leads me to talk about whatever the God of my understanding feels that I should talk about I just talk about it and we go where it goes where it goes you know and that's the deal so I'm gonna I have a couple of stories I want to tell you I'm gonna read a couple of things uh, one from the big book and a couple of things from Dr. Bob and the good old times which I highly recommend to you okay and I'm gonna, a couple of things. So, uh, so th this is going to be. It's if like if I had a wearing blender right now, blender. I would throw in step three, step six, step seven, step eleven, maybe step one, maybe a few other steps. You know, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I just whiz it up. You know what I mean? And that's what we'd be drinking tonight. So you know, you're going to hear. Some people are going to hear six or seven. You're going to hear whatever. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with what I say. It has to do with what you hear. Right, you know, so that's I learned that a long time ago. I, uh, I'll try to shorten a long story with the chicken. How many, how many people have heard the chicken on the roof story? Yeah, was, well, I learned this a long time ago. You know, we have. I was doing a meeting when I about uh, 36 years ago, 35 years ago. I was doing a meeting in the homestead group, step meeting. You know, when I first started doing these things, and uh, I was, I think I, I'm not sure what step I'm on. It doesn't matter. I was on a, some step and. And uh, it was a group, and uh, and I was doing the meeting, and uh, and it was the worst AA meeting in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, trust me, it was bad. And and the reason it was bad is because uh, you know how I, I have mentioned, I do mention, I do it every, I mention from time to time that fear of people is a big thing with alcoholics. You know, I used to say things I don't give a crap what other people think about me. Uh, you know, and you know that whole thing about if you if you ever say if you ever think I'm you get you don't give a crap what other people think about you. You obviously care about what other people think about you because if you really didn't give a crap what other people think about you, you wouldn't say you know that deal. Well, I I I I you know that I don't give a crap what other people think about me and that worrying about what people think about you and worry about being judged everything that does that's part of alcoholism. That's a unless until an alcoholic accepts his alcoholism and all its consequences, his sobriety will be precarious. And the first step. And, 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 and happiness will elude them and, 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 and the first step of getting out of jail is knowing you're in jail in the first place so what happens is you work on the drinking but you have really no idea about the other stuff and they tell you you're selfish and you're self-centered but you don't really know where you're selfish and self-centered until it's pointed out to you by life or by your sponsor you know and uh, I, I used to sit I, I know it's hard to believe I used to say nothing at any means I'd sit quietly at any means I wouldn't say a thing I'd listen to other people and one day my sponsor pulled me on the side uh, to the side and said you know, I noticed you don't say anything. You don't share anything. I said, well, what? I don't, I don't have anything important to say. And he said, uh, he said, you know something? You're selfish. 
you're selfish because I'm not sharing. You know, I thought I was like humble. And uh, <laughs> well, one of us was right. I don't know. I thought I was humble. He said, "You're selfish." He says, "He says, you know, these people come in here and they share everything that's on their mind, and they become transparent and they open. And it's partially to tell what's going on with them, but also it's because they're thinking maybe if I say something, it might help somebody. And you selfishly just sit there and you just you just like some sort of voyeur. You just taking everything they say and and." And you don't, and you don't give anything back. He says, "I mean, who the hell are you to say that what you have to say is, is not interesting or isn't important?" He says, "You know, some, you're all take and no good, no give. You're, you're selfish. I mean, you know, it's, it's like slapping me across the face. You know, I didn't think I did anything wrong, and all of a sudden I started feeling guilty of being such, you know, you know. And so, of course, I started sharing, and the rest is a history. You know, haven't ever shut me up." So, uh, uh, so you know what happens is you learn a lot of stuff. You, you you got a lot of old ideas which are you know wrong or incorrect, and you start operating differently. So, uh, in in any event, I can't remember what I was talking about. I was about to tell you a story. Chicken on roof. So I, I did this uh, very good. Thank you guys. I, it's the dementia. Don't worry about it. It's, but so I did this talk on, at this uh, room, and uh, nobody they they. They weren't like you. They weren't kind to me. You know, they weren't nice to me. I know. They, you think they'd give me like a little mercy, laugh every once in a while, you know, just, you know, they were just, it was like an oil painting. <laughs> they were just staring at me. And I knew it was the worst meeting in the history of AA. It was terrible. So I left, and as I'm driving home, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what they're thinking about me, because I know they're thinking about me. And as my, they're calling up their friends, they're saying things like, I just went to the worst day in the history of mankind. And yeah, Sky Russell, you know him? He's from the Killian Pines group or something like that. And my reputation, whatever there was, is ruined in AA across the country. Because whatever happens here immediately goes to Los Angeles, you know? And, and, uh, and uh, so I'm thinking, and so the next thought I have in my mind, because I'm an alcoholic, is uh, I'm not going back there. Because, because, because I'm just not. Because they hate me, you know what I mean? I'm not going back. But here's the problem, and I'm an alcoholic, so believe me, if you're an alcoholic, you're an excuseaholic. Oh, I'd like to make it back, but my mother, you know, is dying, and, you know, kill her off a couple of times, and, you know, I can, but I somehow knew that if I, I had committed to do the deal, so I knew if I didn't go back, this is what I thought, because I had a very, I had a horrible sponsor who screwed me up, and I thought that if I didn't go back, I might drink again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do you believe that shit? <laughs> I mean, can you believe that, really? My sponsor tied everything into drinking. You go to a bar, you might drink again. You do this, you might drink again. You keep on talking about those girls, you're going to drink again. Everything was tied into the drinking. Now, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, but I know he convinced me. Because what am I to know? He scared the crap out of me, so I knew if I didn't if I didn't go back and, and I might drink again, because I don't know that he knew this, but I so much didn't want to drink 
that I would do anything. You know, I would do anything, as stupid as it sounds, if I thought I might drink if I didn't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, uh, which when you come to think of it, an AA is probably a pretty good attitude to have, you know, but I just had it. It was just a gift. I don't know, you know, how I got that deal. And so uh, I went back the next week to the worst AA meeting I've ever done in the history of mankind. And I think it's in the Guinness Book of World Records is the worst AA meeting. And before I started the meeting, whatever I was going to do it on, some guy comes up to me and he says, uh, he says, uh, I, my name's Joe. He introduced me. He says, I just want you to know I was here last week. He says, oh, yeah, that's great, you know. And I was sitting in the back of the room, oh, great. And he says, he says, you know, my wife left me last week, and I lost my job, and I know I was going to do it. So I, go, I was going to go drink, but I decided to come to this meeting. And, uh, and I sat in the back of the room, and he says, you know, he says, uh, you saved my life. He says, you saved my life. I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, when you said... The chicken was on the roof. <laughs> Everything came together for me. <laughs> the whole program. Now I'm thinking, I had never said the chicken was on the roof. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I said, because uh, I was talking some poultry there at a certain point. But I knew what he was talking about, but he got it all wrong. I said like the turkey was in the basement. He got it wrong, you understand? You know, I didn't tell him he got it wrong. I said, oh, yeah, you're on the roof. I always say that shit, you know. <laughs> I took credit for it. I mean, I was, I had three years going into my fourth year of, you know. <laughs> but I learned something, you know, from that. You know what I learned from that? I used to think, you know, I'd go to meetings that say, you know, if I talk, somebody might drink, or somebody drank, it's my fault. They didn't go. I thought what the 12 steps said is that you carry the message. That's what I thought. That's what I thought the twelve steps said that you carry the message. So if if you go out and drink, if somebody goes out and drink, oh, I must have done something wrong at the meeting. You stay sober. Oh, I said something, you know. And and I learned. I said I said, um, you know, I I I just did the worst meeting in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I and 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 this guy comes up to me and tells me he's sober now. Because he heard something I said that I didn't say. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's hard to take credit for this shit, you know? And, and, and I said, and, and I said, and I said, and here's what happens. He says, I, I went up there and I did probably the worst meeting in Alcoholics Anonymous history, but it was the best meeting I could do that night. And I said, chicken on the roof. And it floated across the room, chicken on the roof, chicken on the roof. Who the hell knows what the other people were hearing? Chicken on the roof. And it got to where that guy is, and it, chicken on the roof went into his ear, and God does what God does best. And no, knew this guy needed to hear, you know, turkey in the basement or something like that, or chicken on the roof. Who knows what I said? What, but he heard what he needed to hear, and I got the credit for it. You know what I mean? And, and then I realized that it doesn't say I carry the message, because I don't carry the message. God carries it. It says... It says, we try to carry the message. And all I have to do is the best job I can do. I, this could be like the lousiest meeting you've ever been to. This could be the best one I can do tonight. You know, I, I'm not responsible for what you hear or what's going on here. And some guy's going to hear the third step. And some guy's not going to hear anything at all. And whatever it is. But I'm going to just do the best job I can. And it's going to have something to do with the third step. It's going to have something to do with God and commitment and stuff like that. So I'm gonna, Now, one of the problems is how many people here are under 50? Raise your hand. Under 50. 
Oh, you see, see, that's the problem. That's a problem. And, uh, well, it's not a problem for you. Uh, let me, you, know, you know what happens when you're talking to a group where there's a lot of people, and at my age, I'm 70, so there's a lot of people that are much younger than me. And uh, uh, because what happens is a lot of the things that I did growing up when I was 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, the shows I watched and things like that, you guys have never heard of. You understand? And so, like 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, when I was doing the steps, and I'd say, you know, it's like that TV show, so-and-so. Everybody would say, oh, yeah, it is. Now if I say the TV show, nobody knows what I'm talking about, you know? But uh, I used to say, I told this story like 20 years ago. I haven't told it in like 10 years, 11 years. But, but when I came to AA, my sponsor said, this God thing is very, 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 very mysterious. Here's the problem. Uh, as an alcoholic and the way I am, I really want to understand why things are the way they are. I'll drive myself crazy trying to figure out why I'm an alcoholic or why people drink, I, I, it's, why it is. This idea of doing shit because you're told to do shit, but not understanding why you have to do shit, is foreign to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't like doing things unless it's explained to me so I understand it. And the concept of faith, F-A-I-T-H, is a concept where you believe in things, but you take them on faith. In other words, you accept things on faith because it's worked from, from, for others, and you do them even though you may not even necessarily believe in them. You understand what I'm saying? It's a very hard concept for an alcoholic, you know? Because they want to say things like, why? <laughs> why should I do that? Why can't I date that girl? Why? They want to do why. They don't want to follow instructions, you know? And I don't know why some alcoholics can end up finally doing it, and some can't, but I think it has something to do with desperation. It says, why all this insistence on hitting bottom? See, here we are in the first step. There's no alcoholic that's going to do this stuff. Why do I have to get on my knees? Why do I have to say the third step prayer? Why does this have to do with God? You know, why, why, why? Well, because you got to do it. That's as good as you're going to get, you know? And the bottom line is we insist you hit bottom because you're not going to do it unless you hit bottom. You're just not going to do it. You're going to keep on doing what you're going to do because you're addicted to doing what you want to do. So the yeah, third step is sort of like a mystery. But, but here's the deal. What, what, what I, think, I think one thing that is helpful is to not be confused. I think at least if you're not confused, it's helpful. There's a lot of things that can clear up confusion. For instance, I go, I go up to, what's your name? I go to Richard with a revolver. I, I say, Richard, I need you to get down on your knees. He goes, why? I pull the trigger, I blow his brains out. I go up to Michael. I say, get down on your knees. He fucking gets down on his knees. I don't even have to pick up the revolver. <laughs> there are some things that alcoholics will do quickly without asking, even though they don't necessarily believe they should have to do it. You understand what I'm saying? So one of the things that make alcoholics do shit for their own good, where you don't have to spend a lot of time, like three hours, saying why they should do it, 
and then wind up in fucking Al-Anon, you know what I mean? <laughs> is fear. Fear. Now, I'm sorry about the fear thing. I'm sorry. I wish we could do this with love, you know what I mean? And just try to take you on the side and spend 18 years trying to explain to you why you should do things. But sometimes you just have to get an alcohol in a position where they're scared to say no. They just do it out of, they just do it because they're told to do it. Very hard when the chief characteristic is defined. So the first thing, one of the things I'd like to get across is that I believe, based upon what I've seen and what I believe the book says and what I believe AA is about, is about doing certain things without question whether you understand it or not. You understand what I'm saying? You know, because if you think that there's wiggle room, if you think if you think this really is the kind of thing like, do it any way you want, you know? You have your program, I have my program, there's a million different programs, there's 200 people in here, there's 200 different programs. If you really believe that, because, because you read something in the book and it sort of tells you, you know, that, that stuff about, um, you know, Appendix 2 and all that crap, you know, about well, whatever you want to believe in. You want to believe the doorknob's God who gives a shit, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> now, I know there's a bunch of people in here, whatever it is, will say, well, that's bullshit. I don't care what they say. The bottom line is there are, there are, there are rules. And how you do this, and nobody gets away with anything. I watched them in here. And there's sobriety, and then there's sobriety. You know, everybody stops drinking. There's sobriety and there's sobriety. And I've watched the deal. And there are consequences to what you choose to believe. You may stay sober for 30 years. You're not going to have the same thing that they had. You know, you know how it says if you want what we have and you're willing to go to any to get it, then you're willing to take certain steps. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly done, uh, done what we did. They did certain things in the past that they don't do now in AA. They did things and they read things and they believed things in the first four years of AA and in the first 10 years of AA that they do not teach in AA today. And as a result of that, you have a lot of people come into AA that stay so for a period of time and then they drink. As a result of that, you have a lot of people come to AA and stay in an AA because it's, because it's less painful and it's non-confrontational and it's also lovey-dovey, you know what I mean? And you can do it any way you want to do it. And after 10 years, they're popping pills. Or they're miserable. You know what I mean? Because they're not so. They don't have emotions. Because they're not being rocked in the fourth dimension of existence. Because they're not experiencing much of heaven. And they think they're in recovery. And what they're doing is they're doing AA light. Because unfortunately or fortunately for us, fortunately for us, they wrote some materials down in the book in 1939 and a little bit afterwards, where they set down what the program was. And they were very clear about it. You know, it was a different time and a different deal, and they're there, and you can read it, and you can decide for yourself, if you're honest, what's going on with this deal. So whether you do it when you first came in, or you, later, you come in later, it's a whole different deal, but I just want to read a couple, hit a couple of high points regarding this God thing, and this decision thing, and this, this thoroughly, and what they were talking about in here. So it says, rarely, one of the things it says, uh, see to it that your, what is it, your, your relationship, the last, what is it, the last page, maybe in the 12 and 12, or whatever, see to it that your relationship 
with him. Last paragraph. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. Which is merely what they've been saying throughout the entire book. Well, the last paragraph here. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find. Join us. We'll shall, shall be with you with the fellowship of the Spirit, which actually comes out of one of Paul's letters, Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Well, when Dr. Bob wrote in uh, Dr. Bob's Nightmare, if you're an atheist agnostic or have some sort of intellectual pride that keeps you from doing what we're trying to do in this book, I feel sorry for you. Your Heavenly Father will let you down. I mean, these guys did not fuck around. I mean, you're alcoholics, aren't you? Because I know, sometimes you have to, excuse me, sometimes I speak alky. Sometimes I don't speak churchy. I can church up if I'm in church, but sometimes I just speak alky. Because some alcoholics, they only, the truth is, they really don't understand anything. Truthfully, unless you speak to them in alky, in their native language, you know? We're all nice in here, but you go out the door and somebody cuts you off and say, fuck you, you know? I mean, you, you just, and it's not because you're cursing, it's just because that's the way you speak. And if somebody speaks to you about like that, you say, you understand what they're saying, you just understand it better. You understand the feelings behind it, you know? And so the bottom line is, is, is that's the deal. So I want to I talk about this. Now, let me tell you a story. So I've got to tell you the Leo story. There's, um... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So when I was about 11 years sober. Now we're getting into sort of 11-step sort of stuff. But it's not 11-step stuff, really. It's first-step stuff. But it's really not first-step stuff. It's really sort of third-step stuff. You know, Well, it's something. I don't know. You'll decide. So, but it's a true story. You know what's cool when you get sober and you stay sober and you do these things for a while? Everything that happens to you becomes a story. And the reason it becomes a story is because there's a spiritual aspect to everything. Because every time anything happens to you, you see something spiritual in it. So you're, you're, it's like being in, it's like the whole world is your college uh, class, and you just watch things happening, and you just sort of learn stuff by watching people, you know. So when I was about ten or eleven years sober, I joined a, a church. I, I started going to a Bible study. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder, and suggested it. I'm not going to go into it now. That's a whole other story. Maybe when we get to the eleventh step, I'll talk about. It. But I, I got, and the big book happens to encourage church membership. You know, I mean it's. It's allowed, you know, it's not conference disapproved. And Bill Wilson did it, and Bob and a lot of the other guys did it. 
So I, I joined this Bible study and I started going there. This is like, uh, what is it, 25 years ago, 29 years ago? I'm still going there. I was there this morning. Every Thursday morning at 7.30, I, 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 I'm there, you know, and half the people have died, and now we have new people and everything like that, and so I, I go to this Bible study. And, and it's the same, it's just like an A meeting, but with the Bible, and, you know, we, we sit around, we talk about stuff. But in any event, so I, I, was, I would go to this Bible study. So right where I lived at that time, there was a, um, and I don't know how much time I had, 11, 12, 13 years, there was, and I used to, in my book, in my car, and I still do now, I used to carry all these books. I'd have the big book, the 12 and 12, you know, books all over the place, you know, different books. I was going to meetings and everything like that, and I'd have a couple of Bibles, and I had this big, huge red Bible. It's huge. It was red, big King James deal, and it had to be on the dashboard. And I was driving around, and, uh, and uh, by, by the way, I just want to say, just in case there's any Christian people out there, don't use me as an example. I'm a bad Christian. No, I'm a not ready for primetime Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm like a sinner. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I just say that just in case you're maybe interested, but you don't want to go there because you think the only people that are Christians are good Christians. There are bad Christians too. I'm one of them. Okay, so so you can you can be an idiot and stupid and horrible and still be a Christian. It's okay. You know, just come to me. I'll explain to you how you do it. Okay, but uh, I don't want you to think because a lot of people don't go to church because they think everybody's good and they'll look down on them and. They'll be stupid and they'll feel ill at ease. No, we have groups of crazy Christians. You know what I mean? We all meet, you know, where they can't find us. And yeah, but anyway, so uh, the bottom line is, so I, I I was driving to this um I was driving to this uh, right next to my house was this uh, dry cleaner, and uh, and I went and I it had a drive-in drive cleaner. You could drive in and drive because so I drove to this dry cleaner, and there was this kid there. He was like 16 years old maybe 17, 16, and uh, he comes out, and he looks at me, I give him my clothes and everything like that, and he says, and I, I, I can't do it, but he points, this is, he, this is, I don't know, I know you can't hear, see this, he's pointing like, he's not pointing like, he's pointing like this, with four p- fingers, and he says, I got one of those, and I, I'm looking to see what he's pointing, he's pointing at my Bible, and I said, uh, what, Bible? He says, yeah, yeah, I got one of those. I said, oh. I said, uh, you ever read it? He says, yeah, 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 I read it, I read it. He says, you understand? He says, well, I don't know, it's kind of hard to understand. He says, well, you know, sometimes what you need to do is you need to go to a Bible study and, you know, so where you can talk about it and tell other people about it and stuff, stuff like that and explain it. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, so I said, what's your name? He says, my name's Leo. I said, well, I'll tell you what, Leo, you see that house over there? Because I can point to my house. You see that house all the way over there with that room? He says, yeah, yeah. He says, that's my house. I said, every Thursday morning at 7.30, I go to a Bible study. If you get to my house at 7.30 this Thursday morning, I will take you to the Bible study with me. He says, you'll take me to the Bible? I said, absolutely, I'll take you to the Bible study. He says, oh, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. He says, no problem. So I give him, and I leave. And it was like Tuesday, you know what I mean? I forgot all about it. You know, it's just something I ran into, you know, the deal and everything like that, you know. You know, try to carry a message or something like that. And some 16-year-old kid. And, so Thursday morning, I wake up, get ready to go to Bible study, and I walk out at like 7.05 in the morning, and guess who's standing by my car? Leo. And uh, I had forgotten all about him. Then I saw him there. He's got a Bible in his hand and everything. I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? He said, hey, get on in. So we drive over to the Bible study. And you got to see these guys in the Bible study. They're all like 
70 and 80 years old. My third sponsor, I met at a Bible study, he had 62 years recovery as a Baptist preacher, 60 years in AA uh, recovery. And uh, he got sober in the church. And, and these guys are like in their, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, I'm 70 years old now. I go to, you know, uh, and, and 80s. I mean, these guys die in Bible study. I mean, literally, you know. What happened to Fred? He's dead, you know. <laughs> they, they go to Bible study until they die, and then they're with the Lord, you know what I mean? And uh, it's, oh, Fred's with the Lord, you know. We pray for him, and that's it. We go on, okay? Next chapter. And uh, we just move on, you know, because we're happy, because, you know, that's the whole thing, that's the whole deal about the Christian thing. People die, you're actually happy, because, no, because it's good, it's good news. But in any event, I'm not going to go into that. But in any event, so, uh, uh, so what happened is, uh, so I take him to the Bible study, and this is a 16-year-old kid. And the youngest guy, I think I'm the youngest guy next to him, and I'm like 50, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so they love seeing, it's like raw meat, and, they, and so it's going around the room, they're talking about something and everything, and he says one thing at the end. He says this, he says, I think Jesus was an alien. <laughs> Now, let me tell you something. I belong to a very conservative church. This is not loosey-goosey, you know what I mean? And uh, you know what they said to him? You're going to like this. They said, they said, yeah, kid, hey, keep coming back. <laughs> they said the same thing we say in here, you know, because, you know, they, they love people. And they said, keep coming back, kid. It was good. So we're driving away. He says, so what do you, what do you think? Well, he says, do you like this? He says, yeah. He says, what do you... Oh, they loved you, kid. They loved you and everything. You were great. So John May says, would you do me a favor? And instead of drop me off, could you drop me off at my house? So I said, sure. So I said, how do, how do I how do? I do? He says, well, drive back to your house. So I drove back to my house. And he says, but instead of stopping your house, go, go down this street. So I went down the street. He said, then make a ride. And I made a ride. He said, make a left. And we were going right and right. And my, Seven or eight, nine minutes later, about eight miles, six miles away, whatever it was, five miles away, he says, okay, that's my place over there. So uh, in the meantime, I'm like talking to him, and I find out a little bit about him, and I find out he's like 16 and a half or 17, and he's a young kid, he doesn't have a father, he's, he's got a single mother, his mother's a single mother, and she's also raising a little three-year-old who, from a different father, you know, one of those kind of things, and he's just a... He's just a good 16-year-old kid trying to figure out what the hell he's doing on the planet. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's it. You know what I mean? He's just a good kid trying to figure out, 16 years old, what the hell am I doing here? And, you know, with a, with a single mother. And so I go to drop him off. So I ask him, I said, um, I said, how'd you get to my house? You know, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. And it turns out what happened was he woke up at 3 o'clock, 3 a.m., showered, got his Bible, and he walked the six miles to my house to make sure he was there before seven because he didn't want to miss me. And uh, so people in AA ask me, so what do you got to do to stay stay sober, you know, 39 years? You will rarely meet a Leo in Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) Leos do very well in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't even know how you manufacture a Leo. I don't know how you make a Leo. I don't know how you do Leo. You know what I mean? Uh, I'd like to believe that I'm like Leo. I came to uh, 
at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, or to recover at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, on December 25th, 1980, when I got on my knees and gave my life to the Lord, you know what I mean? And I'm a Jewish kid from New York, but uh, I started doing really crazy-ass things out of total desperation because I just would do anything to get out of the jam I was in. I didn't give, I, I wasn't one of these guys that said if they talked to me about God. You know, you hear guys in the room say, well, if they talked to me about God, I'd be out of the room. That wasn't me. They, you, could have, you couldn't have blown me out of the room with a bazooka. You know what I mean? I had no place to go. You know, I'm just lucky that I didn't fall into a place where they were doing human sacrifice or sacrificing chickens or something. You know, I'm just glad the, the Christians didn't come in to get me. You know, I'd be down at the airport right now with a tambourine, you know? Yeah. You know. When I came today, my sponsor said, he said, uh, he said, Russell, many are called, but few are chosen. It's a narrow road, and few find it. Broad highway, many go there. Leads to death, narrow road. It's a narrow road. You find it. They did a, a statistical study. Now, this is many years ago. I don't know where it came from. I can't give you the site. But they said one half of 1% of the people that come today stay sober more than 20 years. And they may die for different reasons. And a lot of people stay sober, but they're not rocking in the fourth dimension of existence. That thing ain't going on. So, so in any event, so let me real skip real fast to the, the end, the, the end deal on this, you know, because uh, you know how many places there are in the big book they talk about God and the 12 and 12, and I have to go, go that. But I want to I uh, uh, skip to the end and tell you some, some deal. Um, the big book was written in 1939, and we've done this before, but I was very repeated. A started in 1935. It said, rarely I've seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. You do what we did, you'll get what we got. What they got, they got rocking the fourth dimension of existence. The great fact was this and nothing less to make God the central fact of your life. For whatever reason, the God deal was like the number one, the most, 100% important thing. How you take people that want to say, go screw yourself, or I'm not going to do that, or you got my... How you take alcoholics like that, people like that, defined people, and turn them into people that will just follow directions and do what the hell they're supposed to do without question, I don't know. They may have to be born that way. They may have to be like Leo. They may have to be beaten. I don't know how that happens. You know what I mean? I don't like to point at anybody and say, that guy's not going to make it, or that guy's going to make it. Some of the craziest, wackiest, you know, you know, headstrong people end up making it. And, and some of the people that you think are going to make it don't make it. But I know the people that I respect in here that I ask to be my sponsors, they all ended up like Leo. They all ended up like Leo. And the people who fought this thing, you know, didn't make it. Or certainly didn't have anything I wanted. So, in any event, uh, in 19, and they wrote a book called Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers. And with Dr. Bob, and as you know, they say, really, I've seen Chris Bale thoroughly followed our path. And their path is laid out. What they actually did, the one thing they didn't do is they didn't read the big book. I'm not putting down the big book. I'm just telling you they didn't read the big book. The books they found absolutely essential according, absolute, this is the words they used, absolutely essential were 1 Corinthians 13, Sermon on the Mount, and the book of James. They were almost called the James Club. So I want to I read something to you. I want to tell you what they were doing. So the next time you, you hear about the third step, you know where it says you get down on your knees? And you say this prayer, and they suggest the prayer, and and uh, I want I want I want I want to read you something. I want I want to read you something about what what AA was about. Between you know when they say rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. 
I want to tell I want to tell you what the path is in Alcoholics Anonymous because some of you think that this is the path. Some of you think that going to this meeting is what AA is about. And well, this is what AA is about in the year 2018, 2020, whatever. But no, this is AA in 2020. But this isn't the A they were talking about when they said, rarely have we seen a person fail this thoroughly followed our path. Let me tell you what A looked like in uh, 1935, 36, 37, 38, and 39 when they wrote the big book. And maybe I want you to remember this, because next time you hear these words, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, maybe you'll uh, remember this. This is from Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers. On the other hand, we were taking them upstairs and getting them on their knees to surrender, which I felt was a very important part. The surrender was more than important, it was a must. Bobby, who came into AA in February of 1937, recalled that after five or six days in the hospital, when you had indicated that you were serious, they told you to get down on your knees by the hospital bed and say a prayer to God, admitting you were powerless over alcohol and your life was unmanageable. Furthermore, you had to state that you believed in a higher power who would return you to sanity. There you can see the beginning of the 12 steps. He said, we called that the surrender. They demanded it. You couldn't go to a meeting until you did it. You couldn't go to a meeting until you did it. If by accident you didn't make it in the hospital, you had to make it in the upstairs bedroom over the Williamson's house. Dorothy S. Ambry called the 1937 meetings when the men would all disappear upstairs and all of us women would be nervous and worried about what was going on. After about a half an hour or so, down would come the new man, shaking, white, serious, and grim, and all the people who were already in AA would come trooping down after him. They were pretty reluctant to talk about what had happened, but after a while they would tell us they had a real surrender. I often wonder how many people that come in now would survive an experience like that, a regular old-fashioned prayer meeting. That's, you know, when you say, really, I've seen the fellows throw the thought, that's what they're talking about. That's what they were doing. Don't, don't, don't mistake what you're doing now. with what. They, if, if you're wondering how come you're not being rocked into the fourth dimension of existence, you're not experiencing that, don't, don't think for one second you're doing anything close to what they were doing back then, with the fervent attitude they had. You know, they were serious as a heart attack. You didn't have, you know something? You didn't hear things like, well, if they told me to do that, I wouldn't be here, because those guys weren't there. They, where were they? They were out there drinking until they got to the point where they were willing to do that. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'll bet the, I'll bet the meetings were pretty, they must have been pretty interesting meetings. Dr. Bob, when he went to get, do a 12-step, some of you guys say, well, you might say, well, if my sponsor could only be Dr. Smith, or but can you imagine Bill Wilson? Man, I'd be able to do something there. You think you'd like Dr. Bob as your sponsor? The guy who said if you're an atheist, agnostic, or have some sort of intellectual pride, I feel sorry for you. So this is how Dr. Bob, according to Clarence Snyder, who's number five or six in AA to the Cleveland group, uh, this is how Clarence Snyder talked 
This is what he said was his experience with Dr. Bob doing the, during, uh, doing, getting his first step, when Dr. Bob came to 12-step. Doc came in, that's Dr. Bob, later and looked over. He sat on the edge of my bed and said, well, what do you think of all this? To me. Then he paused and he looked at me doubtfully. He said, I don't know if you're ready yet. You're kind of young. I was down to 135 pounds, no job, no clothes, and no money. I didn't know how much more ready I could be, recalled Clarence. Still, I had to convince them I was ready. I had to convince them I was ready. Now, we run after them, begging them to be ready. Then he asked, this is the first question Dr. Bob asked him. First question, the founder, the co-founder probably asked him, do you believe in God, young fella? You know, if you ask that to somebody in here, you know, they'd say, you're going to scare away newcomers. They just didn't give a shit. <laughs> they weren't scaring away newcomers. They were, getting, they were pruning the trees, and, and they, what they were doing is they were finding people who were serious. You know, rarely have, you know, you know it, says, it says, if you want we have, and you're willing to go to any length to get, then you're ready to take certain steps. Let me tell you something. It's so easy to get to AA these days. It's all in place. You know, there are people, and I'm not looking to change AA the way it is right now. They come in here ready, and they come in here not ready. You understand what I'm saying? They come in here ready, and they, they come, there are people that come in here and they want what we have. There are people that come in here and want what they had. There are people that come in and want what we have, but they're not willing to go to any way to get it. There are people that come in here and they're like Leo. They'll walk the six miles. You know what I mean? And there's nothing you're going to say or do that's necessarily going to change that. You know, maybe, you know, just like the chicken on the roof, you know, God will change it or something. This is what he says. Do you believe in God, young fellow? He always, always called me young fellow. When he called me Clarence, I knew I was in trouble. Then, then Clarence says, you ready? The true alcohol. He says, what does that have to do with it? You believe in God, what does that have to do with it? And this is what uh, Dr. Bob says. Everything. One word. Everything. Let that sink in. Everything. You, when you're talking new, newcomer, you always say, don't worry about the... You say, don't worry about the God thing. You tell him not to worry about it. Don't worry about that. It's not really that important. He says, everything. I guess I do. Guess nothing. Either you do or you don't. Yes, I do. That's fine, Dr. Bob replied. Now we're getting someplace. All right. Get out of the bed, your hospital bed, and on your knees, we're going to pray. I don't know how to pray. I guess that you don't, but that's all right. Just follow what I say, and that will do for now. I did what I was ordered to do. Clarence said there was no suggestion. Dr. Bob was always positive about his faith, Clarence said. If someone asked him a question about the program, his usual response was, what does it say in the good book? Suppose he was asked, what's all this first things first? Dr. Bob would be ready with the appropriate Quotation, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So you didn't know that that first things first thing that you say was shorthand for seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. You see, when you start really, really reading this thing and getting into it, you start stripping away and you start realizing what the program of recovery is really about. 
You understand? You start seeing, you, you start learning things. That's all you start learning different things and understanding why people slip, understand why people are unhappy in AA, why they get defocused and they get carried away by the world and the worldly clamors and stuff like that. Now, I'm just going to end in one thing because I know I went a little bit over. This is sort of like, not so much the mystery, this is where we sort of talk about, well, it's sort of like connection with the sick. I, am, I did the third step. I can't tell you whether I had three months or four months. I got down on my knees and I said the prayer and, you know, it took all of 10 seconds or whatever it takes to do it. And then I got up and I don't know whether I was, see, I, 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 I hate to say it this way, so maybe I don't mean it. The third step is not the deal. There is something about doing the third step that's important. It's important, but it's not the deal. Uh, I more or less think the sixth step is the deal, but that's because that's where the real third step happens. Because you could actually get down on your knees and say the third step prayer, and then get up and just, I don't know, whore, about, whore around for about uh, 20 years or something like that, or goof around, or it doesn't do, you know. But, but what the first step, what the third step was for me is once I did that, now I, quite frankly, I had already done it, remember, in my living room about a month before that, but, but once I did that, once I made that decision and said those words, okay, it made it easier to make that decision to, to, to say the Our Father. It made it easier to say the Serenity Prayer. It made it easier to, to say the Serenity Prayer every day. It made it easier to make that decision every day, sometimes three or four times a day, sometimes five or six times a day. Sometimes any time something happened that pissed me off, I would, it made it easier to turn to God and say the serenity prayer, the serenity prayer, the serenity prayer. I, if, if you ask me how many times I prayed or I said the serenity prayer or I ask God's help or say, God, help me not to drink today, between my first day sober and when I took my sixth step, you know, whenever that was, you know, it was probably numbered in the thousands in the thousands. If you ask me today how many times I make a decision for God, I don't have to be in an A room or in Bible study or anything, just driving or anything. It's my whole life. All I do is think about that. So I think, so I, I don't know that the third step, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you could put a fork in it, that you do the third step and you're done. But I think the third step put me on the road, on a different road, on the narrow highway on the road of becoming a believer, where, and anybody who does the third step is at least stepping on that road. Now, there are some people that step on that road, you know, that highway, and you get off on the first exit. You know what I mean? Blonde with blue eyes, you know? You go down the road and it says, lots of money, you know what I mean? Got strip club, you know what I mean? Sometimes you get on that road, you know, that narrow highway, and you just get off on the exit. But I know this, I shouldn't say I know this, I suggest this. If you can't even do that, if you make a conscious decision, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, okay? Chances, you're certainly not going to be able to do the sixth step. You're certainly not going to be able to completely give your life and everything in your life over to that deal. And you're probably not, probably not, I think according to the big book, if you're not going to thoroughly do this thing, you're certainly not going to make your creator the central fact of your life and be absolutely certain that he lives in your hearts and minds in a way which is indeed miraculous. 
and you're not going to therefore get, you know, that, that be rocketed in the fourth dimension of existence and experience much of heaven. To me, it's just almost linear. It's so, it's so clear. It's so logical of what you have to do and what you have to become. And in order to do that, are you, is it going to happen overnight? No. It ain't going to happen overnight. It's going to take years. It's, it's, it's something like the sixth step. It's repeated for a lifetime. You know, but you're given a choice early on. There's two roads. There's the road of atheism, and the road there's a road of atheism, and there's the road of agnosticism, and the road of not God, and then there's the road of everything. Everything. God is everything. There's two roads. And you're given a chance at the beginning to choose which road you're going to go on. And yet, you have to understand in the fellowship of Alcoholics Now it's not in the program, both individuals are absolutely welcome to be here you're in a class you know when I went to school you know if I took you know if I if, if I took al- I take algebra before trigonometry and then analytical geometry before calculus or calculus on, on, on manifolds and then I you know I just each you had you had these prerequisites you had, you had to take you, you would have a classroom, all the 8th graders were in one class, the ninth graders were in another class, the 1st graders were in another class, you know, the 10th graders were in another class. In this deal, one giant classroom. You understand? You got the, the 12th graders, the 10th graders, the, uh, the guys that are postgraduate, you got the people, you got the believers, you got the non-believers, they're all in the same deal. But just because we're all in the same fellowship, we're all in the same deal, we're not all doing the same deal. We're not all doing what they're. We're not. We're not all doing this thing thoroughly the way they were talking about in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the great thing is, this is not a trust rehearsal. You know, this is your life. It's not like a, you know, at 80 years old. Gee, you know, maybe I should have tried it that way Russell was talking about. You know, now I screwed that up. Yeah, screwed. You know, you might want to consider reading Dr. Bob Gold and the Big Book and making a decision. You know what I mean? I don't know whether that's going to change anybody's mind, but at least you'll never be able to say, don't be, don't be saying 10 years from now, if you don't do it and you wind up drinking again or feeling crap about it, don't be saying, well, I wish somebody had told me this. <laughs> no, you know, they never told me this. In, I never heard this in alcohol. Oh, yeah, that was that one guy, but he was crazy. <laughs> he was crazy, a crazy Christian. Okay, thank you very much. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.